Welcome to Chick Stalking Drag, hosted by Gabby and Anna. Welcome to RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. This is the podcast you didn't know you needed until now. Beware of spoilers ahead. Welcome back to Chick Stalking Drag. It's been uh, literally just a minute because uh, we... We have just stopped with the UK version and now we're down under, we're in Oceania and it's amazing. Well, um, first things first, in Oceania, we do actually get money. Not a lot of money, but we do get money and repeater badges are long gone. But you might be asking who's talking. Well, I am Gabby and this is... Well, I'm Anna, of course. And uh, we are back at Chick Stalking Drag, and you guys, we have so much to talk about, right, Anna? Yep, there is so much savagery happening this season. It's only been episode one, and damn, things are getting too hot for the chili pepper. It is spicy <laughs> up in here. I did not know that Queens Down Under were this savage. Like, call up Megan the Stallion and tell her that she needs to feature drag queens next time, not Beyonce, although that might be a sin as well. Because the queens are more savage than the pair of them could ever be. I mean, I was gooped, I was gagged. I guess we should tell you a little bit about Drag Race Down Under. So, like Canada and UK Drag Race, it is hosted on BBC Free, and we see RuPaul and Michelle Visage racking up the air miles for the first Oceanic series. And uh, Michelle Visage actually has a really soft spot for the kind of drag that is popular in this region because she really thinks that the queens are not afraid to get ridiculous, which I'm quite excited to see because I really do love it when, you know, queens kind of are not afraid to be silly, be outside of the box and not really care about what people think of them. Like, yeah. I, I do like it when the queens are a little bit more raw, a little bit less finished, less polished. And yeah, you because, you know... Yeah, the personality comes across, you know. Like, you don't need money to be an entertainer. Well, I mean, you do. Uh, you do need money to go in RuPaul's Drag Race, but what I mean by that is your personality will be more winning than how much money you've spent on your wardrobe. At least you'd hope There's that's the case. that actually make everything themselves. Yeah, much, so there is. You don't need money, really. No. And I have to say, on the savagery point of view, um, you know, they are really not afraid to be mean. But then again, it might be a cultural thing because obviously um, as a British person, like I'm quite, um, how do I say, quite gentle, soft. I can bite when I want to, but like I'm very tactful in the way I speak. And Australian people, I think they, they're a little bit more blunt and a bit more in your face, but these are the way, this is the way that they interact with each other. Um, and you know, I'm kind of living for the bitchery so soon. Um, cause, cause most of the time with RuPaul's Drag Race, it's like, you know, RuPaul's best friend race to start with. And then the claws come out, but literally the claws came out from the second that the show started. And I'm just like, okay, at least they're honest. You know, well, they all know each other from outside as well. So that right? it's crazy. It's something that, well, we have to consider that Australia, yes, it's big, but like the population is limited. And uh, I'm assuming. Well, actually, the, the queens don't know each other from New Zealand, though. That's the funny thing, because 
because of COVID, they had to um, include New Zealand and um, Australian queens, and that's why it's called Drag Race Down Under as opposed to Drag Race Australia. Because um, Keita Mean and Anita Wiggler, they actually work together in this club called Kaluzis, I believe it's called. Correct me if I'm wrong. And funnily enough, Electro Shock works for them, so that's that's quite funny, and that's something we're going to explore in a little bit more detail later on. But before we go into the workroom entrances, which I'm sure Gabby will be really excited about, and so am I, how excited are you on a scale of one to ten? Zero, because I already saw them on the promo look. I already saw them on the videos okay. that on Instagram. Like guys, wow, something new. Okay, well. There's some savagery right there, which we are going to delve into. And I'm sure, you know, Gabby doesn't mince her words. She is going to jump right in. But before we get to that, I just want to say that obviously because of COVID, they needed to quarantine. So Rue, Michelle and all the seven Australian queens had to quarantine for two weeks prior to filming. So maybe because they've spent all this time in quarantine, you know, they've they've already come out with like guns are blazing. Because they're just like, oh, I'm, I'm going insane because I've spent so much time by myself. And, oh, my God, there's people. How do I interact with them? How do I socialize? I don't know what to do, you know. So what, what do you think about that? Well, I, I think it goes back to the fact that they already knew each other. So, like, you remember on the English version where there were these two people that already knew each other and they already were knew who was gonna be bitchy to who. I'm talking yeah. about Ahora and Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, by the way, yes. This has nothing to do with the with drag race down under. Okay. But I wanna shout out Ahora, uh B Mini and Oh, you're talking about the little mix video. Yes. yes. This is Play just a We're so proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Let me just say the third name because I didn't manage to say it. Say it. At peace. And uh, I just want to shout out them, say how great and fabulous they look, as always. Obviously. And uh, I want to keep seeing more of this. I know. I'm so excited because it's amazing, you know, how, um, how much drag has gone mainstream, you know, ever since it first came out, all those many many years ago what was it 2009 was it yeah something like that i don't know my maths is not good don't read me okay (laughs) hopefully we can see the same from the drag race down under girls because i think they're a really cracking pair of um you know really cracking cast honestly like shall we get into the queen's entrances into the workroom yeah first up we have art simone yes like she paints for the god but she really paints well and sounds like a lot of fun tell me more about her we all know that our simone has a formidable reputation but can she live up to the hype well if this episode is anything to go by then it's a big dingo yes i knew i loved art before she opened her mouth but her entrance catchphrase was iconic she said i'm not here to fuck spiders which really made me laugh because me neither, babe. I am bloody scared of them. Anytime I even see the tiniest of little baby spiders, I practically wee my knickers. And 
as far as her outfit goes, it's camp, but it reveals a certain kind of cheekness up close with the details of metallic strands in her wig, uh, proof of how polished her drag is. She's also got some kind of zinger ready for every queen who enters the workroom uh, work and isn't afraid to shitster, which I'm kind of living for. You know, even though if I was friends with her, I'd probably be a bit scared of her, but you know. Yeah, and Art's outfit is actually like a re reinterpretation of the show Art Attack on Acid, and I'm here for it. That probably wasn't the reference that she was going for, but that's kind of the reference that I got, and you know. I would say she's definitely the most polished queen in the whole cast, I would say. Would you agree? Or what do you think? Uh, in regards to being polished, I think... Uh... Yes, she is polished, but I also think that Karen might be a little bit like on the same level. Mm. Because what I like oh, about Karen yeah. is that she has a very defined vision for herself. Definitely. And, um, also, she has a really good, a good mug, and she's fun. So. She she is fun. Well, speaking of somebody else that is fun, so after Art Simone, Maxi Shield comes into the building. What's your thoughts on Maxi? Well, for being uh, the oldest drag in there, she's 45. I can't believe she, 45. I can't believe that. That's insane. Uh, she has been doing drag for the last 20 years, and we knew that. But what I sensed during uh, the Meet the Queen, that she was going to be the loud one, was actually just a premonition, because guess what? She's the loud one. So... <laughs> Uh, to be honest, they're all. To be honest, they're all quite loud. But yes, I see what you mean. Well, she doesn't stop talking, so that makes her. That's true. <laughs> but not, also, ne not necessarily a bad thing. But oh, no, we'll absolutely, she like she's a good joke, and uh, I do enjoy what she's doing. And like to be honest with you, like I'm, I said during um, the Meet the Queen, I'm I'm here hmm. for all the plus size. Queens Definitely, are there because uh, is about time. <laughs> like, it's just about well, like generally, exactly. in other seasons and in other parts of the franchise, most of the time there is one plus size queen, and uh, the rest of them they're all skinny bitches. Nothing against being skinny, please don't. Call me. Hey, but, I don't like the I don't like the word skinny. We say slim bitches. <laughs> Thank you, Miss. But uh, they are very tiny, and uh, the rest, yeah. and, uh, there is one person that is plus size. Whereas this time around, it is very homogeneous from that point of view. Really? Who else would you say is plus size? Uh, I know that um, Kida used to be big, but she's quite small now. Who, who else would you say? Well, that's true. Yeah, you have a point. That's true. Then, so, uh, who else is not skinny? Well, um, Karen is not small. Yeah, you're you're right there, actually. Well, I was literally just thinking that there's one plus size queen, and there's actually more than <laughs> there's more than one. Do you know? Do you know what the first thing I noticed about Maxi though was? No. Don't know if you can you guess? Oops. Can you guess what the first thing I noticed? Yes. How much? Literally the the biggest pair of drag queen boobies that I've ever seen in my life. And to be honest, I'm a little jealous. Uh, I'm just like, you know, where where are these titties for me? Okay, I'll just I'll just settle for my little fried eggs and hope they will be jealous of your boobs. They they just come with a lot of back pain. And well, pain. I get back pain anyway, so what's the difference? <laughs> that you also have saggy boobs. I well, have 
boobs and they're sagging and i'm only 27 so Aww. and i still haven't had kids so let's let's all say a prayer for gabby's boobies yeah like Amen. i have kids they will hit the floor i'm telling you oh my gosh Grab well well saying the saying about boobs i mean they're obviously maxi's trademark I, I just can't help but wonder how many cows should be milking with those titties. But it's so funny to see her out of drag, though, because she's like your average truck driver or builder. But I did like the contrast between her glam and boy self. Yeah, absolutely. But it's the same with other drag queens uh, in the past. And it, it's okay. I think is is actually the beauty of drag, the fact that you can be something completely other from your drug persona and yeah. uh, you you wouldn't be able to recognize that drug queen down the street because you don't have it's it. true what well, they're literally like comedians right yeah exactly like they can become actual celebrities so if you can have that persona that you can literally take completely off you and people don't recognize down the street yeah it's how true. many celebrities would pay for that so many i'm sure to have that kind of anim anonymity that, that's what i was going for <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what i was trying to say but i stumbled over my words and yeah. next up we have jojo is at home which we have been saying the name wrong we didn't get the pun. yeah we really didn't get the pun but right now we do have the pun and he's on lockdown, so Jojo is a hoe, and we're she is. She's a thirsty, proud hoe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Apparently, what she, how she describes herself, is that uh, she's a hooker turned into a housewife. So she will look super cute and super nice, and then she opens her mouth, and she's a drunk driver. And yep. Don't forget, that. it's a lesbian truck driver. Lesbian truck driver. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, uh, what what are your thoughts on Jojo? Well, first of all, I'm really happy to see an, an indigenous queen on the stage and a proponent of fab originality. Um, I I think that what she represents is beautiful. And um, honestly speaking, we haven't seen a lot of indigenous culture represented on Drag Race. So I think it's really important that we raise awareness of this. And I really, really loved her look. I loved the red foam wig that she had going on. This seems to be a running theme with the Australian and New Zealand drag queens um, because I haven't really seen it so much in the US and UK versions, but I was personally living for it. And I loved the PVC dress with, with accents. The First Nations flag, you know, it was campy, it was fun. It was the whole doll come to life thing which didn't feel like it was a ripoff of Trixie Mattel. Like, it was original. It was, you know, it was really fun. And, yeah, I just really loved her commitment to raising awareness about Indigenous, indigenous cultures and Aboriginality. Like, I, I do feel like that's really important. No, it is. And, uh, of course, like we said, she started her drug as a political statement. And, of course like representation is important and we have a taste of that thanks to her but at the same time we know how these things go and uh, yes it is important but at the same time people will 
will downplay it. So not us per se, but people will. No, definitely not, because we are all about champion, you know, diversity and celebrating where people come from. And yeah, I I really liked JoJo. Next up is Electra Shock. looking at her look, she just I don't like it. Really? Polish, just yeah. It's, I don't like it. And when I looked at her and the way that people are reacted to her, she very much feels like the underdog, which uh, yeah. is uh, a storyline that she takes through the whole day, uh, the whole episode. And um, what what I always think about the underdog is that we have to be wary of her because she might slam dunk everyone and arrive to the oh, end yeah. or in the same way she might just not make it and we will be like oh we already know that but that is like so interesting because i just i'm very much looking forward to her yeah no def- uh, definitely because we all know that when we have an underdog storyline on drag race it, it's always someone that ends up doing like quite well and you know if you, if you look at bimini yeah yeah she she started off as an underdog and then she dominated the second half of the competition. So it just goes to show uh, you can't um, judge a book by its cover because there is more to that person. And I, I know that you didn't like the person the outfit, but personally, I did like her bright red burlesque outfit. But I do have to say that that blessed wig was fried, drowned and delivered at Sunday service to be served up as a sacrifice the displeased gods like and the, the girls can't stop talking about how crunchy electra is looking and to be fair her wig isn't it but i have to say that I, I wasn't like super pleased about the bitchiness and shenanigans that were going on like i feel like people were very harsh towards her just because of her wig like is it that deep it's also the fact that none of them except for her bosses actually knew who she was well yeah so that is like, there is that too like it comes on multiple levels no one knows who you are you're coming in and um, your wig looks a little bit busted and for them you have nothing to show for it so they're like why the fuck are you here and that but, happens with a lot of queens they're like why the fuck are you here for example yeah. if you talk about elliot with two t's everyone was like why the fuck are you here like that is uh, first impressions and like of course no one is should base their their opinions on people on first impressions but at the end of the day everyone is there to win and if they see exactly. some kind of weakness is and for her was the weak and the fact that no one knows her they're yeah. gonna play on that it's not a full best friend's race it's not that that's true but I just thought that the whole situation could have been dealt with a little bit better. But yeah, I don't know if you know this, but Electra Shock was actually the first New Zealand queen to step into the workroom. So that's cool. Next up, we have Scarlett Adam. So apparently, side note, she isn't she isn't it, but Scarlet's past and obviously we all make mistakes and you know yeah, I don't like cancel totally. culture any more than the next queen but Scarlet did do blackface and yellowface in past performances which she has apologized for but you know how crazy the fandom can get like and they have been cancelling her left right and center and 
it is something that happened eight years ago when she was a teen. But, you know, it just goes to show that something that you've done in your past, like you have to hold yourself accountable for it because they will, they will, people will do some digging up and they will find out what you've done. I didn't want to talk about it too much because it yeah. affects me personally. So I was just, I, I just wanted to sweep over it and uh, just say, uh, I really enjoy her look, her confessional look. I live for it because I love a good harness and I love a good hat. And she, exactly. she carries them well. Other than that, that's it. <laughs> that I am. I can just say that she she knows how to paint and she's very yeah, you cool. enjoy her aesthetic. So yeah, I'm gonna take her as a drag. I personally look at these performers as performers. And yeah. I don't wanna look at them as people because all of them have skeletons in their wardrobe. I mean we've yeah. all done things that we're not proud of, so you know. Exactly. So and I'm not uh, I'm not one to judge a performer no. unless they do something very very bad such as pedophilia next up we have coco jumbo who is extremely glamorous and i already love her she's definitely given me miss congeniality vibes her smile reminds me of the glorious olivia lux in season 13 but I yeah I really there's something about Coco Jumbo that I really like. She's very charismatic, which is a good thing, <laughs> I think, in this competition because charisma and personality can get you a long way. And I really enjoyed the positivity that she infused into the workroom. And what I I will always remember is what she said that is when she came in. She's fierce, she's fat, and she's fabulous. That's true. What a great catchphrase! I'm here for it. And I, 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 she's also got some reads on her as well so she's kind of a miscongeniality with a bite like I loved how the producers lined up a confessional of Electra losing it over Coco with one of Coco reading Electra yeah. um, you know I thought, I thought that was quite funny but the, the thing is this although this kind of edit you would assume would make her like into a kind of villain that doesn't happen at all because Coco's far too charismatic to come across like a villain personally I think I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and and I thought that she looked beautiful. Her makeup was stunning. Like, she really can paint. And I liked how it, it matched the purple and gold mini dress. She's in it to win it. And I really hope she gets far. I really do. I, I, I definitely, like, I'm going to say this prediction right now. Like, I, I feel like she would go pretty far. Like, as I say, she does give me the Miss Congenial vibes. And I feel like she would maybe come like fifth or sixth like i have no idea but it's just the it's just the vibes that i'm getting 100 percent. and next up there is ketamine i love ketamine she's one of my favorites like art simone like you know i'm all about that wacky glorious colorful look and she is literally on acid <laughs> she, she comes from party city and uh well, you know, I I like Party City. Frankly, I think it's fun. It looks like a fun place to be, and I'm I'm down for it. Absolutely, and uh, she's another New Zealand contestant. And we're well. There's more to talk about, but we have to wait for Anita to come in. Apparently, yes. they're always together, and uh, the rest of the cast talk about the fact. How do you feel? 
without Anita here. And she's like, kind of, I guess this dynamic makes her feel a little bit overshadowed. But yeah. we'll get back to it a little bit later. A little bit later. She blasted me into the wackiness of Adventure Time meets Crystal Method. And, you know, I was down for it. She, I mean, she calls herself a party clown. So what else can you expect? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, we have etc cetera, etc cetera, which what a great name right yeah exactly and uh, she's the youngest in uh, contestant this year she's 22 and uh, she's a baby she's okay. like Ellie diamond the youngest one but she has a really 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 shiny start and uh, she comes in looking like a beetle because uh, I saw it as a cockroach, to be fair, but yeah, yeah. it could be a beetle. Beetles, cockroach, beetle family. I mean, she she had antennas on, so you know she was some sort of bug. Exactly, and apparently that's because you cannot kill a cockroach. So we are up for that. And she um, describes her aesthetic as the golden era of Hollywood on crack. Yes, I can see that. I can actually well, see that. So, to be honest, I saw it more as 1960s Doctor Who alien on crack, but you know. Would you like to tell us more about her fashion? Well, all I really have to say about etc. etc. is I think that the other queens are underestimating her. So, just like Electra Shock, you know, they, they were kind of dismissive of her, which I think marks her as one to watch. Because, as we all know, Never underestimate an underdog because that underdog will overtake you. Look at previous seasons of Drag Race. Like all the people that have been big names and stalwarts, they won't necessarily go far in the competition or they won't perform as well as you think they will. And it's the underdogs that will. So watch this space. Next up, we have Anita Weekly, which is the second half of the Ketamine and Anita show. So both yeah. of them own this discovery, and uh, we are all here for that. We already talked about it extensively. Exactly. So you can go back and listen to that. But that is the start of a frenemy because none of them expected the other one to be there. So no. now that they are, they have to take out their claws and see who actually reaches the top because already the first episode showed that none of them wants to live in the shadow of the other and uh, that's gonna be the real test because how how is it gonna be is it gonna be like above the drag queen torchy tour moment in which they were really mm. good friends and one of them cracks or is it gonna be what makes the friendship stronger than ever well speaking of anita wiggler do you know, uh, she reminds me of Mr. Tumble from CBeebies out of drag because she's got these really over-the-top um, facial expressions, um, yeah. smile and animated hand movements. Definitely. And last but most definitely not least, we have Karen from Finance. Who, who is a Melbourne legend. And drag royalty. So, we all are familiar with Karen from finance because we talked about her during the Meet the Queens and uh, she is an international drug superstar. So um, I guess what 
what else there is to say, Anna? What else? She is a crossover star because she has performed at RuPaul's DragCon, um, you know, with plenty of other US queens. Um, and it seems that everybody knows who she is. And I am living for her blue office secretary suit co-ord meets day at the races without the cruelty because I don't do days at the races because that I ain't about that life. But one thing we just have to say really quickly, I guess, is that, um, you know, like Scarlett, there has been controversy around Karen, who actually had a collection of Bollywood toys as a kid that she was given by her mum. Not sure why that's an appropriate gift for a kid, but there you go. And then she got a matching Bollywood tattoo um, of one of those dolls, which she has since covered up and apologised for. Uh, obviously, this is quite a contentious um, subject, um, you know, with we all know what collywogs are but gabby what do you think about this i mean she has obviously apologized and atoned for her actions and this was something that happened a while ago but obviously it's not excusable what she did well what i think is if you go to the lens because there's two different type of people and of course yeah. you have to recognize that she's almost in her 40s she's like 30 something and that's uh, true uh, and uh, in the 60s, 70s, Australia is uh, a different country from us, and uh, they have a different views of different views of black people and whatnot. Right. But if someone goes to the length of removing a tattoo, I she has atoned for her in uh, air quotes scenes because right. she has acknowledged that there was a mistake. A lot of people, yes, that's <laughs> how I feel about it. Like, I don't care what you say, I, I, I'm i gonna keep it and I'm gonna right. do whatever. So if someone un acknowledges and understands, because anti-racism is a process of acknowledging and un learning what you've been taught, yeah, of course. She's because obviously her mum was the one who who introduced her to this Gollywood culture and her as a kid would obviously not be aware of the implications of what Gollywood culture actually represents. And we have to remember that black people and like that slavery, there was slavery, but it wasn't like, it wasn't the African as type of slavery. We all right. know Australia was a penal a colony, so people white people or gay people uh, uh any people that had committed any type of crime like such a sex work or something that wasn't um, like appreciated by the crown was sent there they were sent over to australia to supposedly atone for their sins so uh they have a different story and of course they have other issues when it comes to cultures and people that they have been mistreating and that was well, like exactly so but th th that's the thing I, I i like what you said about um treating the the drag queens as the performer rather than the person behind the drag queen persona and that's kind of how i'm seeing this cast right now so even with people that do have these kind of political cultural um like implications of things that they've done in, the, in their past like i think it's important to see them as the performer that they are on the show and they both have apologized for their actions so i think it's really important to be mindful of that because obviously cancer culture at the end of the day is not gonna 
um, you know, erase what happened in their past. Certainly. And uh, they didn't rape nobody, as far as we know. They oh, didn't, gosh. They didn't rape their identities with nobody. So, as far as we know, they have been honest about their mistake and they've been honest about yeah. their, their apologies. So, I think that it's fair to move past this and uh, close it as a chapter, of course. Exactly. And that's, that's all we're really going to say about it, unless more information comes to light. Now, it's time to go into the mini challenge, the first of this season. Well, RuPaul arrives, man RuPaul, and uh, tells the girls that they're going to be overacting, which is interesting because, like, yep. wait a minute, this is the first mini challenge already overacting? Well, yeah. And guess who's the guest judge? Taika Waititi. Yeah. AKA Thor and Jojo Rabbit director. I mean, that's really crazy that they, they've got him on board. I thought that was really cool. Uh, it was quite chaotic and I didn't really know what was going on, but I still laughed. So that must mean that I enjoyed it. I just was like, this makes no sense. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, neither do most of the mini challenges, to be fair. They never do, but just we're just gonna really skim through it yeah because there's not not a lot to say really other than it was won by electroshock who people had underestimated and you know it was a great way for the queens to show us a little bit of their act overacting skills and a bit of their personality and do i think electroshock should have won the mini charge i did think she was the best so yes on a side note i just want to say that etc etc sounds a lot like Alaska's May West during the challenge. Oh yeah, I I I I did pick up on that when I was watching it. She really did, didn't she? Exactly. After uh, just moving forward, this was just a little side note. Uh, RuPaul announces the maxi challenge, and it's a ball, and we get two looks: the ball naked and no place like home, which were already made. Mm. Already, I know. Like I was, we judged I was, in January, literally. In January, uh, we're like, there's no place like home. Yes, it feels a lot like Deja Vu. Yeah, just like you were over it with the promo, um, whole promo poster and having the same looks in the runway. I was kind of over the themes because I really like to see something original and fresh in the workroom. Obviously, it's quite hard to do that. I know there's been so many seasons now, but. I don't know. Is it too much to ask? Like, with the with Born Naked, obviously we had it in season seven, and it wasn't a great runway, honestly speaking. Like, yeah. So why are you going to do it again? Because there's only so much you can do with a nude illusion. I guess it was they were trying to do like a night of a thousand Madonna. It didn't work well the first time around. Maybe it's gonna work well, the second time around. Jokes on uh, you because it did then. You know. It is what it is. I, I mean, I know that they've done the hometown look countless times, but for me personally, I enjoy that more than a bored naked runway theme, just because the queens are really able to inject a lot of personality into their looks and show what they're all about. Um, you see their charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent on the stage. And well, a little insight to where, where they're from. Obviously, I'm not super familiar with Australian and New Zealand culture, so I do think that that's fun. Um, and it definitely worked better than the all naked runway for sure. Yeah. So we get to a the dragon moment, that, which we're just gonna skim through and go to the next day, which is elimination day. 
Work so, room work elimination room. day. Work room chat. We're all in for that. Mm. And um, we start out with Electra just feeling the pressure because she's the underdog. We already talked about Electra being the underdog. So next up, we have Jojo Zahir, which is basically what we come for and what we live for and the drama that we need. Yeah, I will. And this is the this is the chat that I like to see in the workroom because I really love it when queens get deep, nitty nitty gritty, and really let us into their lives. And um, you know, Jojo came across as quite bitchy in the episode, especially towards Electra, which most of the queens did. But then I kind of understood why when she told us more about her story and you know how she lived on a mission for a portion of her childhood. And I found it actually quite surprising that many of the queens didn't actually know what being part of a mission meant. Um, but I think it, it was really lovely that she got to share her story with the other queens and explain the history of the missions to them, you know, given a touch and insight into the sources of Jojo's pride and inspiration as a performer. Like, honestly speaking, I didn't know a lot about missions myself. So I really did find it horrifying when she said that the, the mission is like a concentration camp for black people that honestly broke my heart. You know, the fact that they weren't even allowed to go into town and, and needed permission to leave the um, to leave the mission. I mean, that's heartbreaking. Imagine having that amount of control over your life, like especially as a child. Like what she must have been through is horrifying. If you have to, if you think about it, like people go through that in any culture and indigenous people as well. If you think about America, now they have the pieces of land in which uh indigenous people are allowed to live if they want to live following their own culture and if you think right. about apartheid is the same bullshit and if you think about segregation that was the same bullshit so it's just the same story about being a minority in in the country that you own because right. apartheid was black people in south africa yeah. uh, the um, areas that are allowed for indigenous people in America are for the people that own the land to begin with. And the same thing is here with missions in which uh, indigenous Australian people are not allowed to fraternize and live uh, with, black, uh, with white people. And it's the same with black, red a red yeah. uh, red lines area in America in which black people were not allowed to live outside those specific areas and white people this is the same story over and over and over and it just goes to show that white people don't change at least the bad uh, and the history continues to repeat itself I mean no matter how much we think that we are striving towards a place of equality and love and hope, there's still so much injustice and prejudice and discrimination in this world, especially towards minority cultures. And another one that came to my mind, Brazil and favelas. Oh, yes, the list goes true. on. The list could go I mean, on. We, we could on. literally spend an hour talking about that, but... What, what, I, what really nailed it at home was the fact that she said that she never really had to worry about people getting to the fact that she's gay because the first thing that they saw was the color of her skin. So it's kind of like that double-edged sword that oh, people are judging me because of the color of my skin and because of my sexuality. And it's like, I don't, under, I don't understand why people can be so ignorant and prejudiced and 
scared of people just because it's not what they're used to. Like, because at the end of the day, it's other people. I I find it so weird how people can love animals so much and like want to fight for their right when uh, literally this the same person could be very racist towards another person. Like that is literally right. what I find very atrocious about this word. Where it's true. Here it's like free to preach what right you... and we cannot fight for each other's rights. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I advocate for animal rights, but I also advocate for human rights. And I think you would you would say yourself that I am one of the most open-minded and, you know... Yeah, I'm not talking that, about you specifically. But that's what I'm saying. I, I, I know the exact person. I know exactly the kind of person that you're speaking to because I know people like this. I'm, they literally can be so kind and gentle with, with the animals. And then when it comes to somebody of color or different sexuality, the, the way they label them is, is disgusting. And I'm just like, open up your mind, educate yourself. Like, yeah, why you words, But, oh my God, don't touch that dog. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What are you saying? Hang on. And because, like, what really upsets me would be when people call black people or any other person that is not part of the culture an animal and then say the animal needs to be protected them like <laughs> that it's like, it's like, like what are you saying fam what are you saying yeah exactly that literally backfired on you so quickly you have no yeah. idea but but they don't realize and they don't understand and that is the world that we live in but yeah, exactly <laughs> Moving forward, we get to ketamine, talking about weight and uh, self-image, body dysmorphia, all the good which, stuff. Which is, to be honest, quite a common struggle with a lot of us. You know, it doesn't matter about how small or, or how big you may be. The, you know, a lot of us, myself included, have all been subject to some form of body dysmorphia at some point. Yeah. You know, and and honestly speaking, I was absolutely gobsmacked that Kida used to be the size that she was because it's crazy how slim she is now. And she, you know, she actually got um, gastric surgery done, but she but she still feels self conscious, like you know, in her own skin in her own body. And you know, it, it makes sense given you know the size that she was before and how she is now. It's like that kind of. Um, notion of feeling like you're still trapped in, in your old body right definitely it's the same thing with trans people especially when uh, when you still haven't had bottom surgery or yeah. for female and when you haven't had the top surgery for, for male and then of course if you're transitioning to male when you are feeling like you're a male person but your body is telling you the contrary every month with yeah with your periods so it's that's true. a very interesting conversation but next up we get to the runway and i just finally to, i just want to say like rupaul like double rupaul made me gag but <laughs> It, what made her gag even more is that she actually believed the the reason that he gave for not being in, in drag and that's what I found funny but actually it was plausible to be fair to be fair okay. like considering that anyways is a long flight from the, from the US 
to Australia, especially in COVID times. So it's a very specific time in the world and in history. So I actually believed it. But let's back it up a minute <laughs> because that dress, that hair, that everything. She did look gorgeous. She did look good. That gown hitting the floor, that flower moment on the show. I mean, I mean, what was was it my favorite look? No, but did she look beautiful? I mean, she always looks beautiful now that she has an amazing makeup artist. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> in the judging panel, she's male, and uh, they have weird interactions. So that that is something to point out, I guess. I, I mean, it was quite entertaining. Not something we've seen before, right? Yeah, exactly. Giving it a little bit of a twist. Yeah, uh, well, and speaking of twists, the actual reason why she was not in drag is because Raven, her makeup artist, and season two alumni was tested positive for coronavirus. So she'll be back by episode two and RuPaul won't have to interact with his, his drag self. Um, and he's joined by Michelle Visage and Reese Nicholson who's already serving blue humor on the panel. Yeah, exactly. And Reese, as we mentioned in the Meet the Queens, you guys go listen to the Meet the Queens. I, I am, I'm tired to plug that. <laughs> go listen to it on iTunes. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the new resident uh, uh, judge of the panel, Reese, which is a stand-up comedian looking like a 12-year-old boy and really for him. Because He's so he cute, has, though. He has that same crude humor and bitchiness that the queens have been showcasing throughout the episode. And it's just uh, a confirmation of the fact that yeah. that's Australian, down under, oceanic people for you. Honestly speaking, like, as a new judge, I think that he did really well. Like, I really did agree with some of the critiques that he was given. He, he didn't come across as like too harsh um and i think he fit in very comfortably and he, he is a great addition to the panel for sure definitely i was here for him i love him I, I look forward to hear what he's gonna say during snatch game and any other funny challenge happening. exactly he will be great but the moment you've been waiting for is for us to very quickly <laughs> dissect um, the Born Naked and Hometown looks and reason why I say quickly is honestly speaking I really saw that these this is not a bunch of fashion queens this season for sure because al although quite a few of them had great looks in the workroom it wasn't necessarily the same for these two challenges so we're just going to say about our standouts and I think that it's a good place to start with the Born Naked standouts like, honestly, most of the looks on the runway were underwhelming for this category, which, which might be testament to the theme, but still. Anita Wiggler's um, Adam and Eve fantasy was more like a horror film because it was just so basic. Like, this, you could have really taken it, like, to the next level. If you look at Sharon Needle's um, green snake dress, like, this was a much better interpretation of the Adam and Eve moment. And Coco Jumbo's abstract eye nude look, it had a great concept. I really liked the concept, but it was executed poorly. But in positive news, you know, my two standouts for me personally were Art Simone and Karen from Finance. Who were your standouts? I totally agree with you. 
Uh, I yep. okay. finance uh, with the three pieces reveal and the gig yes. and art Simone with their makeup and uh, half naked. Uh, anything to add sure. to those standouts? Yeah, absolutely. So with Art Simone, we kind of solidified that she's a very polished, um, you know, put together queen. Like, I don't know if you got this, but the half and half look was actually a homage to Chelsea boys from Drag Race Holland. And th this is the reference that I got. Whether he, whether she did it intentionally or not is another story altogether, but that's what I got. And I really loved the contrast between the art half and the nude illusion. Because it showed that a nude runway doesn't have to be basic and boring. This, to me, was strong. It was. And, and it really goes back to, we're all born naked and the rest is drag. So, yeah. And I, I really I really loved um, Karen from Finance's uh, 60s psychedelic beach caftan moment with the novelty sunflower glasses. Like, I've seen this girl on the beach. This is something I've seen. And, and I love the reference. And, you know, normally you wouldn't think that you'd like a glittery bodysuit happening underneath yeah. but I really loved how campy and fun she made it it actually looked good and when she did the reveal and it revealed the kind of um the the suntan nice. on the boobies and the, the the jean like I thought that was really funny like it was camp it was quirky it was fun it was great yeah and it also used the very 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 smart way not to actually show her body in his exactly and still made it interesting and still made it uh, relevant to the challenge. One thing I have to say though about this born naked like kind of runway is that honestly speaking, we had the gloriousness of, you know, do you remember when Shay did that amazing um, oh, yeah. like glittery bodysuit body moment? Like, and, oh, yeah. Exactly. So I don't understand why they tried to do this challenge when they had the flawlessness of that look. Like nothing's going to top that as far as a nude illusion runway goes. It, yeah, but Shea Coulee is uh, an all-star winner for all the reasons. Like, well, exactly. She was going to win. Why you did it? Why you had to make her wait so long? Uh, I mean, it took it took your time, but at least you gave her the award in the end. Exactly. <laughs> Next up, the runway, and that's there's no place like home. I feel like exactly. we simply go through where these queens go through come from, just for general knowledge, and then yeah. go into the looks themselves. So I'm really, really, really quickly gonna skim through them. So Scarlett comes from Perth. Maxi Shield comes from Melina. Electra comes from uh, New Zealand, Tamaki, Macarao, that's the island, that's the name of the island in Ooh. Europe. Coco comes from Cough Harbour, etc, etc, comes from Canberra. Jojo Saho comes from Newcastle, but actually represents her Aboriginal roots, so that's uh, another story. Karen from Finance mm -hmm. is from Melbourne. Almita is from Lee, New Zealand as well. Kitan is from, is, is from Auckland, as, um, New Zealand as well, and R. Simone is from that Melbourne again. So those are the provenances. Did any of this queen actually gave you where, where they came from? Yes, um, I and I have three standouts that gave me the life that I needed. Um, and personally, that was JoJo Zaho, etc., and Art Simone. I did like Karen from Finances look as well, so I would include that there too. 
Um, but these, the three that I mentioned were my favorite looks. And uh, honestly speaking, I don't think you necessarily need to wholly represent the hometown. If you look at Jojo Zaho, that was more about representing her culture and her Aboriginality, which, you know, I personally live for. And that's why I put her on the list. And, you know, I loved how she had that political spin on a Marie Antoinette look. Yeah. And I, I really liked that she used the stage to connect to her culture. The sign on the back of her dress was really powerful. Like, I loved the hand, hand prints and the slogan literally sent chills down my spine. And it said, always was, always will be. And that juxtaposed with the hand prints, it just, it, it just was beautiful, honestly. I don't think it was the best executed look. Um, but it, it stood out to me because it had an incredible message. And sometimes I would rather something being a little bit unfinished and having a powerful message. Did you like JoJo's look? I did. I did. Actually, to be honest with you, I wanted more of JoJo. Like, at this point, I don't think it's a spoiler. But yeah. I, I hope to see more of her. And I'm quite sad that we won't. I, I really thought she was going to stay longer. She was a standout for me just from the promo. Exactly. And like the fact that she has, she had an actual message throughout the episode and the fact that she cannot actually showcase her message, that actually pisses me off a little bit. But we cannot really yeah. do anything about it. We can just follow her on her Facebook. Well, unless unless they do a, a comeback queen this season, but we only have eight episodes, so I don't think it's gonna happen. Maybe not, but you know, a girl can be delusional and dream. Maybe she's gonna be part of All Stars. You never know. And speaking of, of another queen that had an exemplary runway for this hometown look, it was Art Simone. She oh. done it again. This is a fashion queen. everyone all the clicks i mean this was honestly my favorite look on the runway my favorite look of the episode and you you, i really loved how she started with that simple elegant black coat and then it transformed into a beacon of righteous and celebratory color it symbolized the street art and graffiti that melbourne is known for and you know that i love street art myself so this literally spoke to my soul the way she just flipped the costume inside out and poof here's a cape oh here's a matching hat and look there's a bodycon dress for your nerves i was like yes she literally showcased the the two sides of the city with minimum effort and maximum satisfaction last but not least we have etc etc with the beautiful blue green leaves dress and uh, yes that's all I have to say, but I'm sure there's <laughs> more to add. Oh, you, you know me. See, I, I was really trying to find it difficult to choose a top three, and it was in between etc. etc. and Karen from Finance. Um, you know, because I, I, I really liked both of their looks, but I was like, which one would I actually resonate with? And that was etc. etc.'s look, because she looked like a rich bitch that was about to meet her sugar daddy and take his money. And I was like, yes, Crystal Carrington from Dynasty. Yes, you look expensive. <laughs> By the way, I just finished watching that and it's amazing if you haven't seen it. But anyway. You literally just watched Dynasty, woman. Yes. Which word that uh, <laughs> I really loved the boned corset that she had. And 
with the self-professed uh, parliamentary triangle that she was pointing to as she was walking down the runway. It was demure, sophisticated, and she looked elegant as she floated down the runway serving body yoddy yoddy. I liked it. It was great. To be honest with you, I do want to say two things. Two things. Yes. Finance reminded me of all the girls that go to Royal Ascot. Period. Yes, definitely. End of the story. That's where it ends. <laughs> and then okay. I really enjoyed the lecturer's look, but how it will turn out from the critics that we have seen. So yeah, we are going into the critics moment. That's what's happening. <laughs> but, that's that, that's I, true. That's what happened. So were those your standouts? Would you say for the hometown looks? Not really, but uh, I didn't have real. Just wanted a special mention. But then my session and but now now get on board with me because I'm gonna say something about RuPaul and uh, oh gosh and Michelle. It's not prepare the pitchforks. (laughs) Prepare the pitchforks. I personally enjoyed the lecturer's look. Uh, Wasn't the best, but wasn't the worst. But uh, I'm so sorry that. It got lost in translation, but this is literally what happens when you get two judges, such as RuPaul, from a different country, no knowledge of of the culture in, that they're judging. Yeah. Like at least I always try to have us put our hands in front of us and remi- remind ourselves that we don't come from that culture, hence why we cannot judge things too harshly. But yeah. when she explained where she came from and why she chose the outfit she did, which was a, a really pretty garment, I must say. And uh, they were like, yeah. I, we I mean, I, I personally actually liked it. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, yeah, we didn't get it. Of course you don't get it. Do you know Aboriginal language? No. But someone that would have come from exactly. Australia would have actually, could have got it more easily because... Like when she said uh, New Zealand's uh, Aboriginal name is the the island of a thousand lovers, I'm like, I'm sure that if you were from Australia, you are, you would have got it. You would have got it. If you were from Oceania, well, you would have got it's, it. it's funny you should say that because because people's comments, you know, people that were from um, you know New Zealand or Australia, they totally got it, and they said in the comments they were actually like. Well, that's because you don't understand the culture. Like exactly. we get what you're saying, and it's the same can go for Karen from Karen from finance as well. Because you know they they I mean they loved her look, which we'll get to, but they also said that it was a drunk party girl look, which it wasn't. It was um, actually a personification of the Melbourne Cup. So it's do your research. Australian version of the Royal Ascot. That's why she gave yeah. vibe. So yeah. We got to the saved tops and bottoms. I'm just gonna go into the saves, which are Michelle, etc., etc., Anita Wiglet, and Kitamine. Do you uh, agree? Tops. Then uh, on the top, we have Scarlett, we have Karen, and we have Art Simone. That's the moment. So the, the, <laughs> you were I agree with Art Simone and Karen from finance, but I don't agree with Scarlett Adams, unfortunately. Um, I actually think that we should have replaced Scarlett with etc etc whose two looks overall I feel were stronger but I'm not mad about it like per se I'm not mad about it I do agree with the bottom three though yeah I do I, I do agree with the bottom three and 
So we, we find out that the winner is Karen from Finance. I mean, I personally thought that Art Simone should have been the winner tonight as she slayed the house down. But I did enjoy both Karen's look and I can also see why she won. I would have put Karen second personally, but it's just because I really loved all three of Art Simone's looks like so passionately. And when I say all three, I mean workroom as well. But on the runway, she slayed the house down. Yeah. Um, do, do you agree with the winner? I I'm not mad at the winner because I, you know me when I feel or when you feel the wrath. But in this case, I think it was a tie. Uh, I think maybe Karen had, with that reveal, like triple reveal, yeah. sold it more. And uh, yeah, is that campery that I, I which, which they sell, love exactly helps sell the garments yeah. more. Wait, exactly. Right. I'm not mad about it because both of the queens did excellently. So, you know, <laughs> either one of them deserved to win. And with the bottom three, we have Coco Jumbo, Jojo Zaho, and Electra Shock. And I do think that this was the right result, honestly speaking, because they were they did have the three worst looks. Yeah, and uh, Jojo and Electra end up lip syncing. Which, which again, I did think that they were the bottom two, so I wasn't mad about that result. What I was mad about is that I thought Jojo Zaho would go further in the competition and she had more to give. But Elektra yeah. totally, totally slayed that lip sync and it was to Tragedy by the Bee Gees. She absolutely smoked Jojo and even RuPaul was like, ouch, like when she was spinning into splits and she was... And she, she was just describe herself as a dancing queen and she did say to everyone in that room not to underestimate her true yeah but there's a lot of queens that say that they're a dancing queen and when it comes to lip sync no <laughs> but electra really put her money where her mouth is yeah. so we got to the end and electra stays jojo is eliminated which i'm which is sad it is sad Poor jojo but but it, but it was the right result for the lip sync. Electra did do better. You know, those jumping splits were smooth as butter. She she kind of had the dance prowess of an Alyssa Edwards, Laganja Stranger, Kennedy Davenport, you know, kind of repertoire. So if she is in any more lip syncs, people need to be scared for their lives. Exactly. That was murder. That was murder on the dance floor. Anyways, uh, next week, we have, very surprisingly, very, 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 Shocking. very surprisingly, like God smack, jog to the floor down. We have already on episode two, which has never happened prior to this season of the franchise. Yep. We have this match game. I know. I, I was so shocked, but also I was like, I was like, this is interesting. We've got so many queens left in the competition. How is this going to work out? Well, it, we do find a snatch game with an uh, elevated number of queens when we have uh, seasons like season 13 with 100 queens that never go oh home. Oh my God. And uh, by season, Don't, don't by even talk to me about season, season 13. But pretty sure we're not going to get that with Drag Race Down Under seeing as there's only eight episodes. So I know, absolutely. There you go. And, uh, you and guys, I guess that's the uh, end of the episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. And uh, if you did, please leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify. Follow, follow
follow us on iTunes. Follow us on any platform you're listening to us. Because you know what? We really appreciate it. We're here for it. And we all have everything. Bye-bye. Later. Don't forget to watch RuPaul Drag Race Down Under on Stan Australia, TVNZ, Wow Present, anywhere else in the world. And of course, BBC3 and BBC iPlayer in the UK.